This is the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now, here's today's lesson. Hello and welcome to Jail Ministry today. We are glad that you are visiting with us and maybe you have listened before or maybe this is your first time. We are just glad that you have come here to learn about the Bible. And that's what we are about here is the Bible. I always say the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. So I would encourage you, yourself, to get your hands on a Bible because you need to be reading the Word of God that is revealed from God to us. There is so much to learn in the Word of God today. I know that in some of the countries I've been into that it is difficult to get your hands on a Bible sometimes. We will bring Bibles into those countries, but typically if you're in the United States, it is very easy to get a Bible. In fact, some organizations even give them away for free. So, my first recommendation to you is to be reading the Bible for yourself. <clears throat> you have the Old Testament, and you have the New Testament. And this is God's absolute truth for us, for mankind today. So, keep that in mind. We have finished our series on what I would call Christian doctrines. And it's been fun working through Christian doctrines. So I would encourage you to go and to seek those lessons out. I thought it was time to go back and to revisit what I would call creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Because there's so much to talk about, not just creation, who made us, who created us, and where did we come from? Did we come from chimpanzees or monkeys? No, we did not. God created man and woman. And there's a reason. And what is that reason? So I thought we would spend a little bit of a series on creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And this first lesson is going to be on creation and primarily not creation of the world per se but on the creation of man now some basic understanding when i say man m-a-n i also mean woman w-o-m-a-n god created man and woman right men and women i should say he created adam and eve not adam and steve to put it plainly, all right, to be in a covenant relationship and marriage. There's a reason for this. There's a reason for everything. So let's go back and let's go, I mean, go back to the beginning here to Genesis because Genesis is the first book of God's word. This is absolute authority. I don't need to argue about it. I don't need to even reason about it necessarily. Willing to do that. But some people will say to me, well, you know, the Bible's written by men. What are they insinuating? That there's errors in the Bible. There is not a single error in the Bible. If you think there is, you just fail to understand God's word. It's simple. This is God's word to us. And it means that we need to open it up and listen and hear what God's word says to us. 
So let's talk about the creation of man. Now I'm going to read from Genesis a little bit and then I want to focus on understanding these truths of what God is saying. This is not millions of years old because when we begin to read Genesis, this is not like hyperbole in here. Okay, there's not a lot of symbolism in here either. This is just straight God's word. Right. So in the beginning, let's turn to the very beginning of the Bible. Okay. It says the history of creation. Now, in the original text, we call the Septuagint in the Greek. There are not these chapter breaks that we nicely have in the Word of God, the Bible today. In fact, the original text, it is difficult to read sometimes because it all runs together. And there's different kinds of language within the Bible. You have poetic language, you have narrative language, you have apocalyptic language, you have symbolism. So we need to pay attention to that language and just I think at this time of year it's good for people to begin a chronological study of the Bible and what I mean by that is reading expositorily that means reading from the beginning to the end now there's a lot of parts in there about like genealogies that you may fall asleep on and that's okay but they're important if we follow those genealogies back we begin to realize that the world is not millions of years old we're going to be looking at genealogies according to the Word of God. It's going to be somewhere around maybe 8,000 years old. And you're like, what? Yes, that is correct. So let's look at this. It says, very beginning. I love this because these first four words are loaded. It says, in the beginning, God. That's beautiful. In the beginning, what? God. God. God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes into description each day of what God has created. Now, it's interesting because it says in verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God spoke. Therefore, it happened. Now, when he says, Let there be light, there's so much to learn from this already. If there were no stars, moon sun then where, what is this light that light is God when God says let there be light and then we see in John where it talks about in the light of the world there's so much meaning in scripture and then we see in verse 5 it says God called the light day and the darkness he called night so the evening and the morning were the first day evening and the morning did you catch that it doesn't say in millions of years, in millions of years, and then a day. It doesn't say that. It says evening, and we know that evening was not a million years. Okay, it's plain, Just plain English. It's simple here. We don't need to argue about it or delve into it any deeper than that. So we see here each day in creation that God is creating. He speaks, and creation comes forth. This is so important to understand, even just what he creates each day. Now, I'm going to jump forward a little bit because I want to get to the creation of man and woman. This is so important. We get over here, the scriptures teach us that man and woman are the creative work of the eternal God. So let's 
find out, well, when was man and woman created? I had a professor one time outside, and I'll even say it, at St. Thomas University or St. Thomas College, I should say, in Minneapolis, in St. Paul area. And I remember trying to reason with her, and then she went into argumentative mode because she's a professor. That's what she does. But she was trying to convince me, as a Christian, that there are really two creation accounts. No, there's not. It's just that Genesis 2 is more descriptive of Genesis 1. It's really simple, but he does confound the wise sometimes. It says in the Word of God here, it says in verse chapter 1, and once you go to your Bible, chapter 1, verse 25. All right, let's go to 26. Then God said, now this is on what day? We know that God created in six days everything. And on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. It wasn't that he was worn out or tired. No. It's that he ceased from his works. Okay? And he took joy and glory in what he had created. Well, what did he create? Everything. Stars, moon, fish, animals, beasts, land, oceans, everything. Then we see on the sixth day, verse 26, Then God said, it's always about God, for a good reason, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female. He created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, meaning man and woman. Okay. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see here the first, <coughs> excuse me, the first man and woman. And then in chapter 2, it's going to get more descriptive of how God created man and woman, which is really interesting because he creates man out of the dust of the ground and he breathes into man. It gives him life. And woman, which we see not even until later on when she's named as Eve back in, in chapter 3, she's called woman. But Eve, we see, was taken as part of Adam and created to be a helpmate. So let's look at some of these, these truths. So we see from the beginning, God formed the woman. So he formed man and became a living being. And then God formed a woman, Eve, to be both Adam's helper and companion. They were both commanded to multiply and fill the earth that had been placed under their dominion. God gave them this to do. So all mankind come from Adam and Eve. Both man and woman find meaning 
in their existence only in loving Him. I'm going to go back to this. Glorifying Him and doing His will. Have you ever asked yourself, well, God is good. Why, why are we here? Why are we walking, talking, breathing? Why, why did God create man anyhow in the first place? And I get questions like, well, if God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, why didn't he stop them? I mean, I'm one of those people who ask these questions, and I need to go to Scripture to get the answers to these questions. And sometimes they're not just on the surface. you got to go deep sea diving for some of these answers. So we're supposed to find meaning in our Creator. Now, I, I've heard this from a pastor one time, and it's so true, that we want the gifts that God gives, but we don't want Him. That was me in my unsaved condition as an unsaved woman. And I would say that is typical of mankind. <clears throat> Even today. What I find interesting is we see in Genesis where it says God spoke and he says, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together. And he, he made these, he created these after their own kind. Like in chapter 1, verse 11, it says, <clears throat> and the fruit... And the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. So we see this unique creation and then boom, we get to day six when there's something special and unique, not just in the wording, but how God created man and woman and why. We were created. Here's the bottom line. We were created to glorify God and to worship God. That's what we were created to do in His image. And we're going to talk about what does that mean in His image. What I find fascinating, and I should say more sad these days, is how most people are clueless about these truths. They go around living their life not a care in the world, drinking, drugging, crashing in the cars, killing people, raping people, mutilating themselves, committing suicide. It's really a sad situation today that we were created to worship God, to love God, to honor God. And we don't do that. Why? Why do we not give God all the glory? And honor Him, not just with our actions and our minds and our thoughts and our bodies, but what went wrong? What is going on here? He created us in His image, right? I mean, that says a lot. We're going to talk about what that means. But something is desperately wrong here. And I think we all see this. I think that's one of the reasons, too. There's kind of like a, we know that we're separated from God and there's a gap there. I can better understand now addiction. It's not a disease. It is idolatry, pure and simple. Instead of worshiping God... We worship a drug. We worship alcohol. Some people worship their wealth, their possessions. And that becomes their God. 
If we begin to see truth, begin to see God through His Word spoken to us, then those truths become more clear. So these truths that I'm talking about from the Word of God define who we are and the purpose for which we were made and we were created. To, see, to seek to separate from God is to sever ourselves from life in and of itself. I remember when I was, just right before I was saved, before I was born again, before I was a Christian by God, I just remember that overwhelming darkness, that I was fumbling around in the dark, trying to find my way. Bumping into all kinds of obstacles and circumstances and stress and just difficulties in my life. It doesn't mean that when I became a Christian I didn't have difficulties. No, they were, they were still there. But I saw them differently after I was saved. It's kind of like having, the way I describe it, it's like having a wet wool blanket or a trash can lid put over me. And stuffed in there and I can't see and it's dark. And that is because of our sin nature. Sin is our filter. We are born with a sin nature. And we're going to talk about what happened. So let me just finish this part before we get to the bad part. Man and woman are the creative work of God. Okay, plain and simple. We are unique among His creation. We were created, God spoke. We are created in His image, Imago Dei, and His likeness. And we are special among His creation. Doesn't mean we're all children of God. Don't get me wrong. Okay? Don't put words in my mouth. So we see this from Genesis 1.26, which we read. So what makes man and woman unique to the rest of creation? Because this is the first man and woman, Adam and Eve here. Well, number one, he says, let us make man. God does not say, let there be. Like when he said, let there be light. Let there be fish. Let there be lights in the sky. Mm -mm. He doesn't do that with the rest of creation. He says, let us make. This communicates to me an idea to all of us of greater personal relationship. We are created to be in a relationship with God. And then we also see what we call the triune God here. That God is three distinct persons and yet He is still one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see this throughout Scripture. It's interesting for me to talk with people who are in cults. And I do love to evangelize people in cults. And they will say to me, or another religion, they will say, well, you know, I believe in the Son of Man. I believe in the Son of God. I believe in Jesus. And there's a red flag there. Because then they'll say to me, they'll say incorrectly that Jesus is not God. That's a different God. We can learn from Scripture that He says, let us. Now, some people say, well, they were all there together. Uh, yeah, they were all together because they're one. It is a mystery. 
And I think it is only by God's grace that we can understand what we call the word Trinity, the triune God. And this triune God speaks of plurality. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. And I will say this very boldly. In John 8, 24, it says, Therefore, I say to you, if you believe not that I am He, you will die in your sins. For anyone to die in their sins without the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you will go to hell. So this plurality speaks of not only a triune God, it's what we call the Trinity. Now, some people had a guy the other day tell me, well, the Trinity is not in the Bible. I'm like, okay, so what? What's your point? Okay. We do see this, and you have to have eyes to see. So the creation involves the Father and the Spirit, which is Genesis 1, verse 2. And creation involves the Son. And we see this in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In Colossians 1, 16. We are also created in His image. We said this, God did not say after this kind or that kind, like the rest of creation. So, I want to say this again, humanity is unique. You are unique because you are a human being. So keep this in mind. So when he said, let us create man in our image, and went back and I did some more research, because people seem to think, well, if I was created by God, the logic would be that I'm a child of God. I'll never forget this. I think I was in D.C. one year, and I had a woman um, just vehemently in my face, practically spitting in my face, and she is shouting at me, I am a child of God, over and over and over and over. And I'm like, I don't think you're a child of God. And it was really sad because she really believed with her false doctrine and her understanding that she was a child of God because she was created by God. Now there's a difference here and I want to point this out. So what does it mean in the Bible when we are created in the image of God? It doesn't say that everyone is a child of God, no. In the Bible it teaches that you're either a child of God or you're a child of wrath. When I was unsaved, not born again of Christ Jesus, I was a child of wrath. I was at enmity with God. Why? Because that was my nature. That is my inherited sin nature. It permeates what I think, what I dream, where I go, what I do, how I sin. It's the nature to sin. The way that I liken it, in fact, um, my husband and I were talking about this to give a, a proper description. Let's just say that I have pure water in here. And I put a drop of poop in it. It's contaminated. It's nasty. It's dirty. That's the way that the person is because they are marred by sin. That's the way the unsaved are until they are born again of a different spirit of God. But you can see that contamination, that filter filters everything we do, what we say, what we think, where we go, until we are born again. So let's talk about this. 
What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Okay, so there are, there are one, two, three, four things that I want to come across here. Okay, one is personality. Everyone has a personality, right? And we're all different. That's what amazes me. There are millions of people in the world. Now, I might be told, well, you look like so-and-so, but I am not that person. I have human DNA, all right, but I'm not that person. I am unique in my personality. Adam and Eve were not mere animals driven by instinct or machines programmed to respond to certain stimuli. I know I have come across people in my lifetime as a court reporter who I would say was an animal. Mm -hmm. Were they born that way? No. No. God's law was on their heart. They suppressed that truth and other sin and they were given a conscience. But they're like beasts of the field. They have turned themselves over to the bondage of sin. They had a personality. Each person is unique because every single person has a personality. They're a different personhood. Keep that in mind. It's really sad though. I should say, it should not be our instinct to be animalistic. To be like an animal. Because we are created in the image of God. God created animals. They have animal DNA. My miniature dachshunds, they have doggy DNA. I know, same DNA as a wolf, but they got these short little legs. But they're still dogs. They have doggy DNA. One kind leads to the same kind. Not a different kind. There are no transitional fossil forms. So in talking about humans, we're talking about personality created in God's image. Number two is spirituality. The scriptures declare that God is spirit. Also says he's consuming fire. Where do we see this? In John 4.24. And so it is reasonable to expect to find this same attribute in man. God is spirit. Guess what we have? We have a spirit. There's a reason why. Because we're created in God's image. Adam and Eve were spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings endowed with a genuine capacity to know God. Did you catch that? To know God, fellowship with God, and respond to God in obedience, adoration, and thanksgiving. But something went wrong. That filter. When you're unsaved, you have that filter. When you're born again, you have a new spirit. We learn this in Ezekiel. He says, I'll give you a new spirit and a new mind. But the fact of it is, is every person, I kind of liken it to a soul. Okay? Every person has one. Um, a little personal here. I remember in 2007, my husband died. And we were walking and talking and breathing and talking about going to dinner that night. And then he's riding his bike on a 100 degree weather day and he's dead. That's it. He's dead. And I remember looking at him on that table in the hospital. And no amount of my shaking, talking to him, praying his spirit was gone. He's not going to get up and walk out of that room. He's gone. 
He went to be with the Lord. Does every person go to be with the Lord? No. And I want to talk more about that. He went to be with the Lord. His body went to the grave. We buried him. We had a memorial. But his spirit belonged to God. And you have one soul. You have two eyes and your eyes are just windows to your soul. But your spirit is going to live forever. How do I know this? Because the Bible says so. Either in heaven or hell, there is no purgatory. And there is no reincarnation. Everybody wants to come back as a dog or a horse, but nobody wants to come back as a cockroach. There is no reincarnation. You have one spirit, and, that is, and that's it. So we are spiritual beings. And you can see this. I saw this in missions all over the world. I've seen and experienced evil spirits. Not necessarily here, but in the United States, yes, but primarily around the world. So there are good spirits, evil spirits. We won't go into that. That's a whole other lesson. The third one is what I call knowledge. In Colossians 3.10, the scriptures describe one aspect of the image of God as having a true knowledge of God. This does not mean that Adam and Eve knew all that could be known about God. A finite creature can never fully comprehend an infinite God. So knowledge, meaning logos, is that everyone knows there is a God. They may not know who this God is, but in every culture I've been to, they know there's a God. Oh yeah, they suppress that truth and unrighteousness. It amazes me when I run into an atheist because I know they know that there is a God. But they just don't want to believe in God. Why? Because of their sin. So I'll say, what sin do you love more that keeps you from God? I would love to continue more, and I'm going to do that in our next lesson, which will be creation number two. So come back. Join us next time. We've talked a lot about already the creation of man, and we're going to continue on. So come back next time. Thank you.